Hey everyone, this is George Soto and you're watching Startups Unedited. Hey everyone, this is George Soto with uh, Soto Ventures. Hope all is well. Today I'm with Kevin Thomas Tully, who's, Kevin, I gotta say, you're one of the like hottest marketers out there today. How are you? You're, you're, you're actually joining us from the East Coast today. Yes, I am. Uh, and, and I appreciate you having me on today, uh, George, because I know it, it's early out there on the West Coast. Not early for you because I know you're an early riser. But yes, I, I am physically located here in Baltimore, Maryland today. And um, I really appreciate you having me on today. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it as well. You know, I, I have a cousin of mine who went to Towson State. <laughs> That's right. In, in Outside of Baltimore. I don't know if you're familiar, but it's a it really, it, you know, very cool little town. Yeah, it, it, it's it's such a very small world because that's actually my wife's alma mater, and no um, yeah, I I my alma mater is Johns Hopkins, and um, there's there's a string of about five colleges and five universities um, where you can swing a stick and hit all of them, and Towson's within that circle. Um, so that again, small world. Uh, you don't know how many times I'll I'll be speaking with people, and you know the conversation will inevitably come up to well, where'd you go to school, and um, Usually, if I'm speaking to somebody, it doesn't matter where, you know, we'll hit Hopkins, we'll hit Towson, we'll hit one of the other five colleges in the Baltimore area. It, it's kind of funny that way. Awesome, awesome. Well, why don't you tell uh, the audience quickly, just kind of, you know, what's your professional background? How would you get, get into marketing? Oh, well, thanks. Uh, and, well, you know, I'm a scientist by training. And, and as I said, my undergraduate degree uh, and my graduate study was performed at uh, Phil, the world's leading scientific research institution, Johns Hopkins University. And, you know, having grown up in a household where, you know, my mother was a nurse and, you know, I was the first male to attend college, the expectation kind of was like, okay, well, I'm going to be a doctor. Well, I you know, followed the pre-med track, but, you know, inevitably I was drawn to writing where, where that was my minor. So somewhere along the line, you know, the doctor thing didn't work out. I mean, my first job out of college uh, was uh, as a stringer for a local uh, newspaper in Maryland. And, you know... The Cliff Notes version of my career, George, you know, journalism begat PR. I had my own firm, which begot marketing. You know, again, had my own firm, was in some uh, corporate work as well. And, um, you know, marketing, as everyone knows, is eventually going to begat sales. And, you know, eventually it came back full circle to marketing again. You know, along the way, I've held positions as, you know, CEO, CMO, CSO. And I've built multi-million dollar sales infrastructures for, you know, corporate and, you know, on, and as an entrepreneur. Um, one of the things I'm most proud of in my career is that regardless of vertical, uh, whenever anyone has an engagement with me, uh, their revenue has gone up on average 30%. And that's over two decades worth of work. Um, and now, as you had mentioned, I'm excited to be at the number one account-based marketing firm in North America, which is Marcustry. And, uh, you know, we solve revenue issues for um, enterprise sales and marketing teams. Awesome. Thank you. You know, I know you're heading up, you know, marketing enablement. What does that actually mean to, you know, the audience out there? Uh, and that is a really good question. You know, the, probably the best way that I can frame that question is, um, you know, the best definition I heard of sales enablement, and that comes from Tamara Schenk, and she actually called it sales force enablement. She described it as a strategic 
cross-functional discipline designed to increase sales force, excuse me, sales results and productivity, and I'm gonna make sure I get this right, by providing integrated content, training, and coaching services for salespeople and frontline sales managers along the entire customer's journey powered by technology. Now that's a mouthful, but it really encompasses everything that marketing enablement should be. If you sub out the word sales and you put in marketing for that, you know, I would say I'd like to think that marketing enablement would encompass many of these same principles that Tamara had described. But my view of marketing enablement, it's, it's a metrics-driven, revenue-generating process that digitally savvy organizations can and should leverage. You know, it encompasses multiple technologies, like Tamara said, and disciplines. But one of the things that she didn't mention it's got to include social because social can and it should be measured. And I think that's where a lot of marketing folks kind of shy away from. They're more on the fluffy metric side when it comes to social. And, you know, we'll talk about that hopefully later on in our interview. But that's a very important um, piece of the marketing uh, puzzle. You know, you mentioned social and, and I've been involved with social for, you know, throughout my, my SaaS the SaaS part of my career. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one thing that I've, I've kind of realized, or, you know, I'd love your opinion on this is, you know, this whole enablement sort of movement has really, from my view, been driven via the incredible technology that's been able to sort of hit the market over the past few years. We see sales enablement now. I mean, like, you know, if we think about 10 years ago, you know, you, you didn't hear these things, right? Like there wasn't this ecosystem, I, uh, you know, around Salesforce applications and the app exchange and this sort of like consumerization of the enterprise. You know, what's your opinion on the marketing sort of, uh, you know, the impact that technologies had on marketing and specifically social media? Well, you know, I look at technology as an enabler, um, quite frankly. Um, we'll go back to social and, uh, you know, social selling is very important to me um, because it's one of the things that, that I hold dear. And if you look at social selling as a, as a definition, I look at social selling as leveraging social media to generating, to generate revenue. And that's it. I mean, social selling essentially is just sales and that's where a lot of people lose sight of it. So anything that's going to help you, um, leverage social media to generate revenue and do it more efficiently and more quickly, I'm all for that. Um, especially if it's something that you can do to um, measure and especially if you can track your, your social media activities and measure that in your CRM where you should do most of your measurement. I think that's the part where a lot of people fall down. Um, you know, quantifying and measuring social media relationships, it's not intuition and it's not guesswork. And it, doesn't detract from the art of sales and marketing. And that's what a lot of people forget. Yeah, you know, I like to think about it as I am developing conversations with my prospects. Now, in the past, before the telephone, I'd have to knock on their door. You know, then the telephone was invented. I could give them a call. You know, now we have these, the internet, which really has been such, you know, the, the 
the most innovative, well, the most innovative thing that's happened to humanity, I would say. Um, but, you know, the Internet's really been able to facilitate this new touch point. And then even within that touch point, multiple sort of channels, right? So um, I love that. You know, I had a quick question for you. Sure. We've been hearing all about the account-based marketing movement. Uh, you know, now us at Node, we've been you know, now coining the, the term account-based intelligence, which is more of the data piece um, to the account-based, you know, marketing and sales and sales development, et cetera. Moving. What what is account based marketing, and you know what does that mean as a business strategy? Well, you know, I'm glad you asked that, George, because you know, account based marketing it's not anything different than we've done in the past. I mean, you you raised a good point about um, you know social selling the way you had to go knock on doors or use the phone, and essentially, account based marketing it's just good old fashioned key account selling, except that the technology the available to facilitate and measure the process is you know what i feel it leads to the invigoration and excitement around the term you know it's the technology gets people excited about it you know this is something that's long overdue because you know we finally have an opportunity to have sales and marketing aligned around a purpose because you got to think about it you know sales holds all the data and they hold all the relationships and account-based marketing cannot exist without sales because because it's imperative that the one-to-one -one relationship um, has to develop between internal sales and marketing teams. I mean, uh, think about what needs to occur. You know, you need to have the marketing leadership and the sales leadership, uh, you know, at the least bit, they have to go out and have a coffee for some reason, because without one and the other, account-based marketing can't occur. And, you know, I wish we could say it was brand new and the millennials invented it and they could take credit for it. Uh, but, you know, it's just from a business strategy um, perspective, um, account-based marketing, it's the most efficient uh, way to do B2B marketing you know, for three reasons. You know, Number one, um, it allows for a better spend of marketing dollars. Um, and it's a good old-fashioned, again, 80-20 rule. You know, 20% of your revenue comes from, or excuse me, 80% of your revenue comes from 20% of your business. So instead of spending 100% of your marketing dollars across the entire enterprise, you can be more targeted and more systematic with your spend. And then the second part, of course, is the marketing and sales alignment, which I told you about. And then finally, um, account-based marketing provides the best opportunity for cross-sell and upsell. It shortens the sales cycle and it increases sales revenue. I mean, for those, uh, for those three reasons alone, I mean, companies would be, you know, very uh, uh, short-sighted if they didn't want to up apply it. But, uh, you know, as far as implementation, implementation is concerned, uh, I think that where a lot of companies f fall short is their mindset. Um, you know, they need to develop a mindset shift and it's, it holds them all back because, uh, there's so much exponential success they can see if they handled it properly. Uh, most companies get so excited about ABM is that they still don't know how to bring all the pieces, how they come together, how they prior prioritize their efforts and truly how they measure the effectiveness of their, um, account-based marketing engagement. I'll give you a real quick example, okay? Um, if you want to draw a parallel to social media, mm -hmm. the prevailing thinking used to be that you could get an intern to run the entire social media department for a Fortune 500 company. Well, we know that's not true. <laughs> and then uh, another real quick example. Let's just say you wanted to go on, uh, you know, you wanted to climb a mountain. 
um, would you want to climb Mount Everest using, uh, you know, the latest GPS tool or SAS based tool to just climb the mountain? Um, I don't think I would, because, you know, you got to remember the three rules of mountaineering. Number one, it's always further than it looks. Number two, it's always taller than it looks. And number three, it's always harder than it looks. <laughs> so, you know, while the tool is nice, you know, if I wanted to reach the summit, especially Mount Everest, even small mountain, I would use an experienced guide. You know, that absolutely. You know, I, I think a, a lot about, you know, what account-based marketing meant to me. And for me, it was like super logical, right? Um, to your point, I think there are all these technologies that have emerged that now allow us to be more focused. I mean, we think about the ability to target on, so I, I used to work at, you know, I was an early employee at this company called Mopup. So I had this really incredible experience learning about ad tech. And if you look at the ad tech capabilities now based on the social graph that was created via, you know, really I'd say Facebook has, in my opinion, you know, the, the, uh, um, sort of the holy grail there. Sure. Um, but, uh, but if you think about it, I mean, we could run a campaign right now that shows display ads or, you know, even be, you know, the, the sponsored uh, posts on Facebook to very specific people that work at very specific companies. Now, if you think about this 20 years ago, when was this? Well, you know, I was, <laughs> I was young back then, but let's say when I got into my career, uh, you know, about you know, 10 years ago, you didn't have those capabilities, right? The data wasn't there. Humans weren't on the internet now um, or at that point. And I think that's probably what I've observed in my short career, some of the, the paradigm shifts that's really have, have changed. Like we're out there, humans are out there. We're able to associate humans with companies and say, hey, this is our ideal customer profile as we like to call it, you know, um, on the blogs and all the, you know, within these communities. Um, let's target these folks. Let's not target these organizations that don't make sense for us because of a variety of reasons. And I remember when I was an inside sales rep, uh, you know, back in the beginning of my career, and now, you know, they were now. I guess it would have been considered a, I would have been considered a, uh, an SDR. You know, we would get these leads from marketing and we'd say, holy smokes, like this, this organization, this lead is, completely unqualified this is a you know this is someone in their basement you know and it's, it usually happened from uh from inbound but you know i remember being so frustrated i don't know if do you remember the tool leadlander uh yeah i've heard of that you remember those guys yes. i think they're still around and in any case I, I remember sitting there and my ceo would be like hey we had all these folks hit the website go and give them a call and i I'd, I'd be scratching my head going and is it me or like these are not qualified organizations, right? So the ability to identify those companies and then the individuals within those companies, I think, are just is, is there today to a, a much larger extent than, you know, five, ten years ago, even maybe like, I guess, three. Right. Oh, oh sure. The, the amount of, of technology that has uh, come about in the past year has just exploded. And, and to your point about it inbound, and I, I share a, fin, a similar philosophy, um, you know, I, I look at inbound in the same way, and, and you made a great point, and it's one of my pet peeves about, you know, website visitors. Uh, you know, just because someone fills out a form doesn't mean they're qualified. It's not a marketing qualified lead. It's not a sales qualified lead. I make the analogy to, 
um, you know, that person that you might see, you know, playing an instrument in the subway or on the or on the sidewalk somewhere, and then they have their hat out, and you know, if you like what they're if you like what they're um, playing, you know, you might throw a dollar in or some coins or whatever. So um, that person playing the the song is your web page, and the hat is either the form that the, that if the, they fill out or you know the tracking um, software, Google Analytics or whatever that's going to track uh, who you know puts in the dollar, or and that dollar instead of a dollar, it's a business card. So what's the difference if someone walks by and throws in a business card? Okay, it's a random, it's a random drive-by and it's random inbound. It's not qualified. It. <laughs> it's because they like what they saw or they like what they heard. Doesn't mean it's interest. Yeah, it's not qualified. I mean, you're thinking about. I mean, think about this, Kevin. Like, I would spend half of my week on inbounds, and and it wasn't intentional. You know, and it, I think one of the disconnects was like. You know, sales would say, oh, you know, marketing sending me all this stuff so they can hit their their lead count. But, it, you know, obviously marketing didn't want to send over junk. They just actually didn't know. Right. right. Um, and, and so I think that's the alignment here is really, really powerful. And I think now we're able to see high growth companies really jam leveraging this technologies in a way that we've never been able to, uh, to do in the past. I, I had a quick question for you, Kevin, around. You know, we've been talking on the sales side, and, and so I, within my career, have always been a technically a sales guy, right? Mm -hmm. And although I have done a, a, a ton of marketing and studied marketing and that kind of stuff, not, I, I never had like a marketing title at a real company. My, my, I, I joke around saying, well, my ventures, uh, uh, well, maybe it weren't real companies. Uh, but in any case, you know, we've talked about the sales stack I, I guess now for the last two years or something like that, you know, what is the, what is the marketing stack? Like what's that tech stack? What's that, you know, that suite of, of applications or, or software that marketers have put together uh, in, in, over the past few years to be able to effectively, you know, market and reach their audience and convert, you know, MQLs and drive revenue. And if I'm a founder and I'm sitting there saying, okay, great, we've, you know, gotten to a point where we were now going to invest in this stack or in this marketing tech, you know, what are some of the recommendations that you might have? And, and, and George, that's a great question. And then thanks for asking that. Um, and I, I share a similar uh, background as that, I, you know, I'm, I'm a sales guy trapped in, you know, right now for this in, in, into, you know, particular instance, I'm in a marketer's body. And uh, I, I don't know why it's always ba been baffling to me why sales and marketing don't communicate because it seems to be the most common sense thing that anybody can do in an organization. You know, if just if marketing does their job and sales do their job and they do a line together, then, you know, revenue is just naturally going to occur. But you oh. know, we can talk about that for hours. So to answer yeah. your question. You know, there, there was a conference recently in San Francisco, the, the MarTech uh, USA conference, mm -hmm. you know, and they revealed that the marketing technology offering has grown an astounding 87% last year. So think about that. The amount of offerings um, has nearly doubled in the last year as far as marketing technology goes. So if you're a SaaS uh, founder and you have a startup, you have to be scratching your head saying, okay, where do I turn? Because there's so many redundant technologies out there and there's some not so redundant technologies out there, but you, you can just get lost in the details about, about trying to align so many products to figure out what you want to occur. And, and I always subscribe to the simplistic method. You know, there's only about six basic technologies that you really need in your, 
in your MarTech stack. Um, you know, there's a few key elements that every company should have. You know, one is predictive, two is content, three is social, four is marketing automation, five is personalization, and six is CRM. So for predictive, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll just name, I'll drop some names. You know, the one that I like is is Sales Predict. I know that your company is doing a, a lot of things in that area as well. Um, and you know, I, you know, for full disclosure, I don't know enough about your company, although I've heard some really great things. Uh, I'm looking to investigate more about your company. Um, I like, I really like that article that your founder put together yesterday because uh, predictive analytics is something that I've been associated with for decades, and I've had tremendous success. One of my pet peeves, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll have an opportunity to talk about this later, is why companies don't do more predictive. But you know, we'll get get on that later. As far as content goes, um, you know, you have to have some kind of web presence. It's just amazing. It doesn't. I don't care whether it's just a one-page landing page, but you have to do something with a CTA. You know, I always like a content content aggregator um, that people can use to push out content on on social uh, throughout their entire team and organization. Employee advocacy, I like our factor for that. Um, for social, again, you can use free tools like Buffer, Hootsuite. Those are very effective. Uh, Coming with some built-in analytics as well. Marketing automation, you know, take your pick. You know, Marketo is nice. Pardot, Eloqua, Acton, six of one, half dozen of the other. Really doesn't matter as long as you're using that. Um, personalization. I use the category of personalization um, as sort of a catch-all for account-based marketing. We're talking about email personalization. Um, you you mentioned targeted ads um, that goes toward the um, account-based intelligence that you talked about. Again, there are a slew of companies. You know, do your own investigation. See which one you like. I'm not going to name anybody anybody right now at the risk of offending a lot of the companies that we do work with because I don't want uh, to get any phone calls to saying, oh, you, you picked and play favorites. So we're going to leave that one alone. Um, CRM, the 800-pound gorilla is Salesforce. It seems like everybody's using it. They've got a nice uh, suite of applications that work in uh, concert with each other. So people may say they hate it, but look, it's a big box and it works. Um, and the, the number seven one that it really should be number one is measurement. If you're not measuring your efforts in all these uh, technologies and it's not ending up in a revenue measurement, then you are wasting your time. Now, ideally, these are all going to work together. And, you know, that's what people come to us for to make sure that they all work together. Um, you know, but those is, that is what you should look at if you're a SaaS founder or looking at a startup. Those six, those, six top, those six topics should have you covered. Kevin, what do you use to discover content? Now, I had a quick question before you answer, um, in addition to uh, the, the, the content question. Um, mm -hmm. You know, marketers now, it seems like we've spent a, a ton of time starting to create content. And I, I understand the... Uh, the value around having a content blog now. I mean, you know, HubSpot and has done a great job of creating this like inbound marketing movement and um, and all that stuff, right? So I get it, right? I get the SEO. I, I get the value. You know, what's your take uh, from a from a marketer's perspective around? You know, if I'm a B two B marketer, um, I am. I have all these great now social channels that are in my mind just extensions to the brand, right? And I create a lot of content, but you know, I also share 
third-party content that aligns with the topics or keywords, et cetera, that my brand is aligned with, right, or stands for. You know, what's your opinion on the balance? How much, like, blog content or in-house content do I create versus the sharing of third-party content? And, and that's, that's a really great question. Great question. And uh, there's a tried and true strategy uh, that says for every six pieces of content you share, you know, four should be third party content um, that is aligned, as you said, around the keywords or the or the uh, thought leadership that your company is trying to establish. You know, one should be uh, one of your own company's pieces of content and one should be a piece of content that personalizes you to make let people know that you're not just an automated you know, social channel that's on that's on broadcast. Uh, that's a, that's a, the strategy that I like to um, follow myself. That's been very successful for me. Uh, I I think that where content pay, plays probably the most important um, part in my strategy. You know, I I use the three C's. You know, content, conversation, conversion. You know, the content is the linchpin of our strategy um, because content goes out there. And then how people interact with the content, that puts them into the machine. Because then every time they, once they interact with the content, and now this is going to sound, you know, kind of draconian, but you, we own you then. Because we know what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, how you're going to do it. So I know that's just probably just told people just to stay away from interacting with my content. But, uh, you know, at the risk, it happens to everyone. Don't worry. Some are just better than it, at it than others. Um, but um, anybody who has concerns about internet privacy, just stay off the internet because uh, everybody's tracking everything everybody does. Just accept it and, you know, bow down to our, you know, benevolent overlords at Google and, you know, Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook and everyone else because everyone tracks everything. And you can put up as many ad blockers and as many kind of firewalls as you want. But, yes, you are being watched. Thank you, George Orwell. Um, <laughs> but, you know, content spurs conversation, which spurs conversion. If you if you if you think about that in, in terms of your process, and you're sharing the right contextually the contextually proper content at the right time, which goes back to my theory about predictive analytics and telling you who's going to buy when they're going to buy at what time they're going to buy, that is when you're going to get revenue success. Got it. Thank you for that. You're welcome. You know, and just to sort of augment my question. How do you find great content? Well, third-party content. Great third-party content. I have uh, there. There's several tools that I use um, that I've that I have uh, feeding me uh, content based on on keywords, content based on topic, content based on account personas, content based on buyer personas. That it just it comes to me at the beginning of my day, and you know I have it all. You know, some of it I do ad hoc, but a lot of it I do scheduled um, to come out to be sent out at certain times. Um, and I don't, I don't share as much content as I as I used to because I'm a big believer in the less is more. I want to, I want to share the most up to date, freshest content. Um, you know, across my social channels and uh, different social channels, I have different strategies about the type of content that I share. And uh, Again, I think that the best way for anybody starting out it would be to probably develop your um, ideal buyer persona, your ideal account personas, and think about what type of message that you wanted to put out as a as a company. And if you tie everything into those that stack that I talked about, 
and you track your interactions with people um, as they as they interact with your content. And based upon their actions, you you can go ahead and feed them additional content and track what they do with that. And you will know when the right time is to have that conversation to move the conversation offline and and push everything to sales. I mean, that's a very simplistic overview. There's a lot more com complexity to it, and you know, I just said that in two minutes, but I don't want to make everybody's <laughs> eyes glaze over because I can talk about that for hours. <laughs> I totally get it. Yeah. So, you know, Kevin, I, I know you're you're one of the top marketers right now. I would say, in in the space, you know, what what's the what's the future of marketing, and and like specifically marketing technology? Well, um, you know. As I stated earlier, you know, I'm a scientist and, you know, data drives every sales and marketing decision I make and every, you know, move that I take, uh, you know, I, I really don't like to make predictions. You know, I, I always joke around with people that, you know, if I were able to predict the future, I just move to Las Vegas and take my crystal ball and just pick NFL games, you know, that I mean, be a heck of a lot more exciting and, you know, <laughs> infinitely more profitable, you know, you know, and by the way, I'm a Miami Dolphin fan. And okay. I'm okay. Here. Um, I'm a New York Giants fan, so you know at least we're, at least we're not competing. At least you've won something in the past couple of years. I remember Dan Marino, you know, rookie year, and uh, you know being in Miami, and we were like, "Oh my God, this is uh, this is it!" And then you know he had a good career, but we didn't win. Yeah, I thought it was dynasty in the making. Yeah, he was true. Oh, true right. Yeah, anyway, absolutely, absolutely. But you know, here's what I'd like to see happen, George. Uh, you know. I can't understand for the life of me why, and I, I'm, I'm sorry to beat a dead horse, companies don't leverage predictive analytics more. It just seems to me that if they, if they use the power of data and predictive to sharpen their sales processes and marry their outcomes to their buyer's journey, they're going to far outpace organizations that don't do it. You see this on a daily basis. I mean, marketing sales will align. Um, you know, you can get rid of that asinine sales pipeline forecast model that doesn't mean anything where you have sales reps and you've done it, I've done it, you're either sandbagging or you're overestimating and it doesn't mean anything. That's just guesswork, all right? And you wanna say, okay, well, people are gonna argue predictive is prediction. No, it's based on data, it's based on science, it's based on historical activity. Listen to me, understand this. If you want to Google something, Google multi-variable linear regression analysis, okay? And then talk to me about your sales pipeline forecast, which is just a guess, okay? That's what I'd like to see happen. Just if you don't, if you don't understand any technology and you don't, if there's one technology, get into predictive, okay? Predictive is the future. Now that sounds kind of redundant, but that's what I agree. Yeah. <laughs> You know, what we're doing at, at Node is all about, you know, this intelligence at the account level, which, you know, ultimately rolls down to the contact level or the human level. Mm -hmm. um, and then every everything that's associated uh, with the human and the account and then try to actually, uh, you know, generate uh, or infer, um, you know, recommendations and those sorts of things. And so I, I think if you think about it and what the beauty in my mind about the data is, you know, the data is unbiased, right? The data doesn't care, you know, who, you know, who's a top producer, who's not, 
who's got the best accounts, who's, who's not, you know, best on paper, the nice brands, right? And that's what I love about the, the ICP or this whole, you know, ideal customer profile notion, which again is not, you know, it's not a new concept, right? I, I think we, we, us, you know, I, I just missed the millennials. So I forgot what I am, but why something anyways, for X generation anyways, but in any case, you know, I know we like to, you know, talk about these categories like account based X, you know, like, uh, you know, like lead generation, like all these other things. Uh, but you know, these are not again, new concepts. And, you know, we think about the ideal customer profile. I mean, that's just really logical to me, right? You know, it's, it's just saying, you know, at the beginning of a, of a venture or, or, or business, I think there's some very intelligent sort of guesses that should be database or data backed, right? <clears throat> that we make and say, Hey, we're going to go and actually experiment. And that's why I like to, you know, really talk about it as an experiment. And over time, I think, and I'd love your feedback on this, but I believe it's, you know, we made some assumptions or guesses around who we think our ideal customers are. And we've created these buyer personas or, or these, these profiles. Now it's a matter of actually verifying what indeed is the ideal customer, who that ideal customer is. And not only just saying who's actually buying the quickest, you know, with the highest, let's say in SaaS or subscription and license, you know, ACV, but who's seeing the most value, right? Who's seeing the most value? Who's, who's renewing, you know, who's, who's really creating these great case studies that we can use to actually close more business. And this is the thing that just really baffles me sometimes because you see sales leaders out there or sales organizations who are just focused on the top of the funnel that's getting them to the, uh, and, and when I say funnel in this case, I'm saying, you know, all the way through customer success and, and account management and, and post sales stuff. And they're not really thinking about the backside. Right. And, and so what's again happening after the close. And so I think about these buyer personas uh, or customer uh, ideal customers as, you know, who's seeing the most value as well. So I'd love your opinion. What's your opinion on that? Does, is, does that, is that a good framework to think about this stuff uh, from? Yeah, well, yeah, you, you hit on a couple of really good points, George. Um, the first being what you what you've described, essentially, it's the, it's the scientific method. You know, you make a hypothesis, you 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 measure the data and then you your data either confirms or or is going to change the, the hypothesis. And then you're going to act upon what the data measures, because the data is what the data is. As I say down here in Maryland, it is what it is. So. Um, I mean, if your hypothesis was this particular type of company with this particular type of demographics, with this particular type of uh, sales, is the right company to sell to at this particular time? Then that's the company that's going that you're going to that you're going to go after. If it's not, if that doesn't fit your data, if that doesn't fit your model, then guess what? You just learned something that you can apply moving forward. So either way, it's going to be a success because you're going to change your path toward generating revenue. Now, where a lot of where a lot of companies do fall short is they are looking at historically bad data. And it's a, and again, if we're going to keep going with the clichés, you know, garbage in, garbage out. When you're crushing your Salesforce data um, to to build these predictive models, if you have historically bad data, it's going to take a couple cycles for you to realize that what you had what you had been going past on going by on the past is not going to bode well for the future. And that's just an inherent problem in your organization 
with a that's a data issue. It's not a sales issue. That that's a that's a data issue. Um, I also think that in terms of uh, finding out the best way to sell, um, one of the things that you need to do is also have transparency throughout the organization. Um, again, sales and beating a dead horse. Sales and marketing. Everybody has to have the has to have the buy-in. Um, if that doesn't occur, you're going to be spinning your wheels. It doesn't matter what type of technology or what type of process you're going to uh, you're going to employ. It's just not going to work. Awesome. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today. You know, if the audience wants to get in contact with you, what are your social handles and okay. what's your contact information? Uh, is there anything you want to share also with the audience? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, there's one thing that that I'm really excited about. Um, you know, I, I've developed a really exciting process. It, it's a platform really here at Market Street. It's called ABM Social. Uh, it's revolutionary. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about it because, you know, it marries social media activity and social selling to account-based marketing. That's why we're calling it ABM Social. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I've been and, thinking about this, Kevin. We got to catch up off offline here. Yeah, we we do, yeah. we do. And, you know, it's again like everything. It's data and analytics driven. So, um, and the the framework spans the entire customer uh, journey from um, account based. Uh, excuse me, from employee advocacy all the way through social selling to account based marketing. Again, could talk about this for hours. If you want to know more, you know, you can catch me on LinkedIn. My name Kevin Thomas Tully. You can get me on Twitter. Twitter didn't have enough. Uh, enough letters so it's kevin t tully just think of uh, me just like like can't pronounce it kevin t tully kevin k-e-v-i-n t tully and you know everywhere else i'm um, just kevin thomas tully just my pompous irish immigrant parents name me kevin thomas tully so blame them and i gotta just plug your organization you know who is the uh your your ideal customer and if someone fits that profile uh you know why you know how do they actually get in contact with the organization and, and what are the types of services you can help them uh, really optimize? Oh, well, well, thanks for asking. Um, and thanks for letting us do that. Um, our, the name of our organization is Marketry, And the, the best way to think of that is um, marketing and um, art, artistry. So marketing and art, artistry, so marketry, okay? And uh, again, we you saw, know I'm an artist too, so. Yeah, I know, I saw that on the wall. I figured you'd you appreciate that. Yeah. So, you know, we solve revenue issues for enterprise sales and marketing teams. And it's www.marketry.com, M-A-R-K-I-S-T-R-Y.com. Easiest way to get in touch with us. All contact information is there. Um, and anything that you need in the realm of account-based marketing, uh, demand gen, lead management, or as I, as I mentioned, our new, our new platform, ABM Social, um, we're here to help. Fantastic. Kevin, have a wonderful day, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, George. I appreciate you having me on today. Have Absolutely. a lot of fun. Have a great day. You do the same. Thank you.